0: I'm going to
1: was uh, taken just shortly after the earthquake in two thousand and ten, uh, and i don 't know what prompted me to do it, but uh, two or three weeks before we went i uh, I decided to remind myself of the incredible devastation that that happened uh, three and a half years ago, and I started watching videos on youtube different things you know there's there 's one camera that actually caught the uh, the earthquake as it happened, and uh, there 's there's a story of a young girl who uh, was playing with her friends, and um, her dress was caught on an iron rod, and, and that may have been what saved her life, and, and all the girls that she was playing with were killed in the in the earthquake, and while she then, then blocks fall, and they crush her leg, and, and she said, I'm just crying out, Papa, Papa, save me, Papa. She was looking for her dad, and she was calling out her friends, and uh, just as I was watching all this stuff, I started thinking about today, what we needed to do in this service and um, I looked through a bunch of videos I got up at 5 30 this morning was watching through more videos and and it just moved my heart and and I could I could almost not speak because I thought as long as the Lord leaves me on this earth I will not let you forget the devastation that hit Haiti I don't know why God has put Haiti on my heart I don't know why um, it's in my blood um, but but God did and so as long as I'm on this planet I'm going to remind you over and over that our work is not done yet. And, uh, and if I die, somebody, dadgum, better stand up here and take my place and carry it on, or I will haunt you I don't think God would let me. but anyway, um, I was talking to Pastor Samson on Wednesday night. Um, this, this guy calls me his brother. And he said there's two main churches in the United States that he considers partners. It's New Life Community Church, and it's this Broadmoor Baptist Church in Mississippi. And ironically, Broadmoor's there right now uh, in their city. And he said, he said there are two pastors that I, will, that I will always make time for to go to their church and, and, and preach uh, because of the way you treat me. He said that's you and that's, that's Pastor Rob from, from Broadmoor. And uh, he talked about barbecue, and he said that we spoil him. And, and then he told his staff, he said the first year that he came, he stayed at my house, and I, I barbecued for him. And then he talked about Chad and Cindy's house, and that they barbecued again. And, and we had a swimming party, and, and the pastor, this was funny, he said the pastor was swimming with children. And, like, that was crazy, so I don't know. Um, but anyway, he, he, he looked at me, and he said, he said, I will always come to your church. You are my brother. And um, so next month, four weeks, I'm going back and I'm preaching five sermons uh, at their church for their 45th anniversary of this big, um, uh, it's an association of churches, 17 churches will gather there and, and it's, it's going to be a, a crazy deal, but um, I want you to be praying uh, for me as I go and do that. Here's, here's what's going to happen during the sermon time. Um, and, and you talk about just, we're, we're just leaving this up to the Lord. And if anybody feels led from the team who went, I'm going to give you an opportunity to share here in just a few minutes. And when we close the service, we're going to have the Lord's supper together. Um, but I kind of wanted to do something before we, we start doing that. If you were on the team this year that went to Haiti, I'd like for you to stand. There were 26 who went with our church, and then Chris Irvin, my buddy from Heiko, the pastor, there were seven from his church, so we kind of counted them all together, 33 of us in our group. There was a church from um, Minnesota, a bunch of Wisconsin folks. Um, There were 11 of them, so 44 of us were in Haiti, all of us working on this church in Mariani. You can go ahead and put that picture up of of Mariani. If you remember, those of you who have been before, we started three and a half years ago with dirt. We, we laid the foundation of this building. And so this is actually the second floor that you can see right there. There's some steps. And then there's a third floor, which is the balcony. The walls are now up on the third floor. And hopefully sometime this year or next year we get to put the roof on. And our goal is to go back and worship there at Mariani before we ever start another project. So anyway, that's just that's the whole team. And you can see the Haitian workers. We've got all the Haitian workers in the front. and um, And the associate pastors in the white there with the soccer ball uh, the, the senior pastor was in the state, so we didn't get to hang out with him. So this is the team. This is part of the team. Y'all remain standing. If you've been before to Haiti, any of the four years, four times that we've gone, please stand. If you have, um, supported someone, if you gave some money, so any, any amount of money so that someone else could go, please stand. If you prayed for us this year, or if you were one of those prayer partners any of the years in the past, please stand. Now, I'm, uh, those of you many of you weren't here didn't, didn't know about this, so, so this is not in any way to, to disparage you, but I want you to look how many. Although only a few of us got to go, there's a support system called the body of Christ, and this is the body of Christ when the body of Christ is working right. You understand what I'm saying? Not all of us can go, but all of us can, can give or can pray. And before this service is out, I'm going to challenge you to pray about whether you're to go next year, whether you're to give, or whether you're to be a prayer partner for next year. You may be seated. Wednesday, when I was talking to Pastor Samson, he'd never told me this before. Here's what he said to me. I need to give you a little background. The Saturday that we fly into Haiti, Pastor Sampson preaches his 20-year-old daughter's funeral. Uh, Samia, Samia, I don't remember exactly how to say it. Um, and uh, he said, Doug, God allowed this to happen. And he said, uh, he said I'm going to tell you why in just a minute. But he said, um, I believe that God is going to be glorified through my daughter's death. And, uh, and, he said, and and he said, let me go back to the earthquake in 2010. He said, when the earthquake happened, I don't know if you noticed it on this video. I've watched it a lot more than you have video after video when things uh, people got up from wherever they were some of them got out of cars there's one video I saw where people just stopped and ran they left their cars in the middle of the road and ran because they didn't know what was going on the, the little girl who was stuck on the iron rod that had to have her leg amputated, she said she was stuck and she was screaming and she said, in my mind I saw tractors were, were destroying houses. That's all she could think of. She didn't, think, she didn't know what an earthquake was like. She said, I was going, dear God, the tractors are destroying all of the houses. And, and people are just walking around aimlessly. Some of them with, with wounds they don't even know. All of them have dust and, and just things all over them. They're walking around the streets. They don't even know what to do. And Pastor Samson said, um, after the earthquake, I didn't know what to do. He, he watched a bunch of pastors die in, in a building he was supposed to be in. Um, He was supposed to be teaching those pastors. He's a few minutes late. And because he was a few minutes late, the building came down and it killed all the pastors that that he was supposed to be in the meeting with. And they said uh, people would not stay in in brick structures for months. Pastor Samson and his family slept in a tent in their backyard for several months because everyone was afraid to go into a brick structure because they knew so many people who died in brick structures. And he said to this, then he said this, he said, I didn't go looking for praying pelican missions. That's, that's the group that we went with. Praying Pelican, I had talked to them at a conference and said, hey, you know, I'm interested in going on a trip sometime. And then when the earthquake hit, you know, I, st- I called them and they said, we're not even in the country yet, but we'll get back to you. And so, Jim, the guy I talked to, went and they traveled all over the countryside trying to find a place that teams could go to. They weren't even supposed to go to the country until this year, 2013, is when they were scheduled to, to begin mission trips down there, because they go to Honduras and Jamaica and Belize and Mexico, and they've got one in Florida, and they got one in South Africa. They weren't even supposed to go to Haiti until 2013. But because of the incredible devastation of the earthquake, they decided they needed to go. The last place he stopped was at Cote Plage, which is the church where we stay. Uh, pastor samson's church and and they they formed this partnership and he said you can come and you can stay at our church and he said i thought praying pelican missions was a one-time deal he said i thought one group would come one week and that would be it now more than six thousand people have come through Cote plage over those three uh three and a half years and and we're working all over literally all over the countryside uh building schools and churches and, and in the future, Pastor Sampson wants to, to build a pharmacy out in the rural areas where they do not have um, access to good medical care. He said, one of the reasons I believe God allowed me to be in the hospital for 11 days with my daughter was to see how poor the medical uh, uh, care is in my country. And he said, my son and my associate pastor ran all over the country looking for medicine, and, and we couldn't find any. Now, the interesting thing is, when he was here in May, he and I drove him back to the airport, he said... We want to start a pharmacy. And then when I'm there this week, he said, I now know that God was confirming in my mind that I have to help my people in his dream. This is crazy. Numbers were just boggling my mind as we were talking. He said, my dream is that 600,000 people outside of Port-au-Prince would be able to have access to affordable or free medical care and medicine. Now, that's a God-sized task. Those of you who have been to, to Haiti, you know this is, this is a, a huge thing. And so as he learns more about that and as I learn more, I'll share those things with you. But I just want you to know that, that God has confirmed in my heart that I can't stop going. Which means I can't shut up about Haiti. And, and I, I want to take groups every year. And maybe some year we get big enough that we, we do two a year. Uh, but at least once a year, we're going to go. And we're planning to go that, that the same dates. They'll be one or two days off next year in, in July. Talk to Chris's group. They, uh, they're already they're on board. And, and so I'll let you know for sure the dates. But I'll be p- calling Praying Pelican and making our reservation for this next year in Haiti. And I want you to be praying about that. Now, what I wanted to do was just kind of let you hear from some of the participants. And, and I didn't give them a whole lot of notice. I did text them and say we would have some testimonies. But we're just kind of going to open this up and see where this goes. Anybody want to share what God showed you in Haiti? Anybody that went on the team? You got to raise your hand and I'll come to you with a microphone. I got all day. Anyone? Be right there, Lacey. Hold on. Go ahead and stand up. This is Sharon. Her daughter went.
2: Carlene went, and she debated for a long time. She came back, and we were sitting, talking, and one thing, another. David said, would you go again? And she looked at him and looked at me, and she said, yes, I will. So we're working on that.
1: Most of the group would tell you that they will go again. Lacey Lou, that's her nickname, by the way.
3: Yeah. Um, whenever I was thinking, you know, in my mind what it was gonna look like, I don't do good talking, so. <laughs> um, you know, I had a different vision, and so did some of the other people that I talked to. You know, it was much more functional, and um, the roads, you know, what they talked about the first year. So that was a big surprise to see that, you know, people were, you know, doing as good as they could living there. And um, the one thing that really got me was their spirit and how God-filled it was, and I think that was something that I was able to take back and to see, you know, that they're hurting, but I would rather hurt where they're hurting than hurt where we're hurting with the, you know, mur- you know all the harsh things that go on in America, and and there, you know, they're happy in, in in God, you know, and how they praise the Lord, and um, hearing them sing songs in their language and our language, and watching their motions—you know—that was very touching. And I hope that you know we can get that here, and the teams that go can bring that back to our church and, and you know and show them the love of God, how they show the love of God.
1: So. You—you're a good talker. <laughs> Anyone else? I'll just start sticking the mic in your face if you don't volunteer. Say what? Someone else share with share with the body of Christ what God showed you when you were in Haiti. (laughs) Hillary Walker.
4: Um, Haiti is very hot. Haiti stinks. Katie is cold showers, and if you know me, I'm the biggest girly girl and OCD clean freak and everything else. And
1: she came home and did two loads of laundry as soon as she got home. We didn't get home till after like ten o'clock, yeah. and so she cleaned her house, did laundry. That's OCD.
4: Yeah. Um, while I was there, when I first got there, I, I, I mean, I would get sick to my stomach a little bit by some of the smells and everything, and. I don't know, like, being home, I can't stop crying. I can't, I mean, I miss it so much already. And the people and um, just the closeness that we got to all the people. And I've already had all the Haitians getting on Facebook and telling us how lazy we are because they know English, Spanish, French, and Creole. They say, don't be lazy. You get dictionary. You do vocabulary words. <laughs> and you can do it. I know. You have Creole in your blood. <laughs> and, uh the kids that when the first day we got there, uh, we pulled up to the orphanage and they just started screaming and just running towards us. And I know a lot of us were just crying and all the kids, uh, there was a little girl that was running around and she looked like she was looking for somebody and she was just crying. And I picked her up and, um, none of the Haitians, or most of the Haitian babies, don't even wear diapers there. And so everybody's kind of like, that. <laughs> uh, I rubbed her little nose, and I rocked her, and she just fell asleep for like an hour on me. And it touched my heart so much. And, uh, well, then her sister came and smacked her in the head and told her to get up <laughs> and come home. Because uh, she just came to the orphanage to play. But all the kids, they just lit up so much to see us, and um, they... The Haitian people, you know, we are thinking we're going there to help them, and they help us, and they touch our hearts, and they show us. And uh, when we were praising this morning, the, the line, uh, the, that the riches of your love will always be enough, and it just touched me, because we have so much, but you can go there and they have nothing, and that's all you need is the, rich of, the riches of God's love, and so it just it's amazing, and I, I already want to go back, I already miss it, so... I never thought I would say that. I never thought I'd want to go back.
1: <laughs> yeah, you sleep on uh, air mattresses. And, and I will tell you this. I want to thank those of you who prayed this year because obviously the prayer cover was more sufficient this year than the years past because this was by far the coolest week I've ever spent uh, weather wise. Now, there were two nights that were oppressive. You're actually laying on, it's disgusting. You're laying on your air mattress and you're just in pools of sweat. And you're thinking, Lord God, what have I done? You know, I, I, I don't, not only volunteered, I paid to come sleep in my own sweat, you know, that type of thing. Um, but she's right. When we go back out to Mariani and the kids come and, and their eyes light up and they recognize you and they run and they hug you. Um, it's just an amazing feeling, and, uh, and they remember from year to year. They'll remember you. Uh, they'll remember your name when you come back. Someone else? Some boys. Yeah, dudes, I'm going to call you out like Josh did that one night. It's time for the men to be the men and, and share. That is a big deal right there. Now, let me tell you about Gary just a little bit. Gary's one of the hardest working guys. He was a blessing to go on this trip. Uh, five or six months before the trip, you felt called of God to go, right? And, and Gary's just, he's, he's a shy guy. He doesn't talk much. In, in fact, um, at the airport, Gary and Janie and Carlene, and who was the other one? Jared. We're all sitting there. And all the rest of us were running around getting food. This is on, at the airport, DFW, before we ever leave. And not a word was being spoken. And Janie said, you know, if the four of us were to go on a trip together, we'd never talk. And, uh, and Gary goes, I just don't have anything to say. And Janie said, I don't either. So they all turned around and sat there in silence till the talkers came back. Um, so Gary, was he, he felt called of God to go. He didn't say anything. And then uh, the Sunday before we left, I was supposed to announce that in church and just got distracted. I forgot to announce it. And so standing out here in the living room, there's probably still 100 people packed in the living room out there. And I said, hey, by the way, uh, we have an opening to go, $500 you can go. Well, again, Gary Gary being the, the quiet, shy type, he didn't say anything. So I hear from James later. And so anyway, um, he didn't have the money. And so we had somebody donate the money. Gary got to go. And was it a God thing that you got to go? It was a very
5: God thing. Very much. Tell us what you want to share. I mean, I never realized how blessed I was because I don't make a whole bunch of money or nothing, but going over there and seeing what they call homes just blew my mind. And then on the way back, I sat next to this lady on the plane who went for a medical mission, and she started telling me some of her stories, and it was way worse than any of the stories we would seen. There was this one lady that had a set of twins, and over there, twins is real popular, I guess. They have a lot of them. Well, she was so poor that she was gonna let one of them just die, and they had pictures of her with her face sunken in and everything, and the other one was healthy as could be. Well, the hospital told them that if she started feeding the other one, that they would sponsor her and build her house and everything. And it was just crazy that she was gonna let one of her kids die instead of trying to feed it. And it just—I couldn't believe it.
1: That's before you even got there. You heard that story, right? The teeter-totter. Oh, that was pretty funny. You got about 800 Haitian kids on one end and Gary on the other pushing them up and down. Uh, That was pretty awesome. Uh, I'm serious, man. They piled all on there. Somebody else. Anyone? Mark went last year, but he also helped some folks go this year. He, this is his mom, and she helped some folks as well.
5: I went last year. I didn't get to go this year, but uh, three of my sons went. And when they got off the plane, we went to uh, a restaurant, and I thought I was going to hear about what happened this year at Haiti. And they were more interested in, oh, we're going next year and talk about what
1: they're going to do next year in Haiti. So, That's pretty awesome. Mark almost died in Haiti last year. Um, He has a pacemaker defibrillator, and he got overheated, and we were really, really concerned about it. And so he would tell everybody I wouldn't let him go, and I said, because he almost died uh, last year. Um, But... But he and his family have a heart for missions, and and he told um, one of his sons I'd never met uh, until he decided to go on this trip, Dustin, and uh, he brought a pastor friend with him, and and it's just this incredible thing how God is spreading out uh, from our little church here in East Texas and and letting others know about what's going on in Haiti, and they want to go back and they want to bring others. They were talking about all the guys they wanted to bring next year uh, to be a part of, of our Haiti trip, and so... Uh, Chris Irvin, uh, my pastor in Heiko, my pastor friend in Heiko, he and his daughter went last year. This year they brought seven, and so it's just it's slowly spreading out and and when, when Pastor Samson's vision, when it gets out there, we're gonna there are gonna be some people that we hadn't even met yet who are gonna donate to his vision. One of the things he told me was his daughter was a college student, and so he wants her name to live on. And he said, I don't want her to, uh, to die in vain. He said, so we're starting a scholarship for 10 college students. And, and it's, to them, it's very expensive. To us, the, the college education wouldn't be considered expensive at all. But he said, by this September, I, it's called the Samia Fund. And he said, I want, I want to raise 10 scholarships to allow 10 kids to go to college so that my daughter's name can, can live on. So just all kinds of stuff that are, that are happening out there that, that you can be a part of. Anyone else? Hillary's volunteering Travis, but I don't know if he's going to do it. James?
6: Okay, so this is the fourth time that I've got to come along with some others that have been there four times. Uh, Every year it gets better, uh, and I, I sit there and ponder as I'm riding the bus and everything's familiar with me whether the people that are new are, are seeing the things that I saw when I went the first time the, the shock really isn't there anymore for me uh, but my highlight every year now is when I get to go see my compassion child and uh, so I wanted to share that with y'all um, this is the second third time third time I've gotten to see my compassion child Ralston and he's he's about this tall and he's six years old he told me he was eight, and I called him a liar. <laughs> and uh, and so uh, he every year he's real shy, and he's kind of like Gary, just sits there and looks at you, uh, doesn't say a whole lot, and doesn't show a whole lot of emotion, and this year I, I got to play ball with him, and Hillary and Travis got to come with me this year, and he got to show emotion, and he was really excited to see me, and, and hugged me, and we got to play, and that was awesome, and... Uh, and then when I left he was really really sad you could see it on his face but the coolest part is this year that his mom came to know Jesus and that's more than anything that that you could ever imagine I mean that's more important than anything but also compassion built them a house they've been living in a tent she has six kids y'all six kids living in a tent so uh, I know this church in May when we we sponsored 27 kids out of this church in May. Uh, from this church, from Compassion, y'all stick with it. Those families are so important. Uh, those kids are, are growing up. And when you have, like my family, uh, I sponsor one kid, but it sponsors the whole family. The whole family gets to eat because of, uh, because of our sponsorship. And, so, and they built them a house. How cool is that? Um, so y'all stick with it. Keep writing your kids. Keep being involved with them, even if they're not in Haiti, uh, wherever they're at. Uh, you know, just Africa, wherever they're they're at. Just stick stick with it. You're making a huge difference, more than you even know. You you don't even know the difference that you're making.
1: Anyone else? Oh, Miss Eula. I'm gonna come down this aisle. She's another four timer.
2: Yeah, I wasn't going to speak because I felt like the new people needed to, but, you know, it's just on my heart. I love Haiti. Um, I can talk, I could take up all the time talking about Haiti. But the one thing that I know is there is no sacrifice without sacrifice. And you're going to make a sacrifice if you go. You're going to make a sacrifice of your time and your money, and it is going to be uncomfortable sometime. But there's no sacrifice without sacrifice. So whenever I wake up and it's hot, I give God the glory. I call it prayer time. You know, come on. We're not going to be there for very long. We're going to go home. We're going to go back to our comfortable living. It's only for a few days. Um, I haven't even met this woman, but I want to. She has three sons we have now met. The first year, we met Elmondo, mm-hmm. and he is it leads our worship. He is amazing. <coughs> the next year, we got to meet Fito. He is amazing. He wants to go to college, but he doesn't have the funds. This year, we met Odney. And Odney is going to medical school. And he has the heart for, uh, he sees the need. And when somebody said, where will you practice medicine? And he said, in Haiti. So, I mean, it was like, what? What are you talking about? Look around you. It's in Haiti that I'm needed. So I would love to meet a mother that has three sons that are this remarkable, and they have another one, and I'm sure we're going to get to meet him uh, as we continue going back. I also got to meet my compassionate child, and her name is Emanuela. And I'll get real emotional over her. She loved Ramaya. I mean, just an instant connection. She's very shy. And uh, she had a sister that died at Ramaya's age. And so that really touched me. Um, so we got to meet her. And she said, the last thing she said to me is, when will you come back? And I said, God willing, next year at this time, I'm coming back. You know, as long as I can breathe and walk up the mountain. (laughs) I may have to have somebody, uh, like, drive me up the mountain, but I'm going back. As long as I can toss a bucket or do anything, I'm going back. So if it, you know, if it is laying on your heart to go, God will open the door. He'll make a way. And if you don't like peanut butter, get over it. (laughs) Get over it.
1: Peanut butter for breakfast every morning. I don't remember what you're talking about. You want to tell it? Uh, I he forgot. He, he can come back another time. Uh, on the last day we were there, um, well, the last day that we worked because we get to go play one day. The first year we did it, I felt guilty because we went and worked hard for three days and we moved rock and poured concrete and all that stuff and And I felt guilty going uh, to play, but they said, they said, you don't understand the Haitians want you to see their country. They want you to see how beautiful it is. Haiti actually means land of mountains and there's mountains everywhere. I didn't know that until we got there that first year. There are mountains everywhere and it is gorgeous. It's, it's the most gorgeous, poor place I've ever seen in my life. And, um, so the last day we were there working, we went back to the orphanage, and everybody was tired. I mean, worn out. And I didn't feel like doing anything. We got off the bus, and some of them went one way, some went another way. And I was just standing there. I mean, literally, I didn't want to do anything. I just stood there, and this little girl, um, probably two and a half, maybe three years old, comes walking up. And, and she was walking with a purpose. I mean, you know, she's just strutting down there. And, and so I thought, what in the world? And she walks right up to me, comes right to my leg, goes... And so I said, yes, ma'am. I picked her up, and she starts going, and just telling me, pointing back to the playground. And I thought, well, I guess we're going to the playground. And so I went back to the playground. She pointed at the swing, and she went, and she sat on that swing, and she said, push. And so I did. I pushed her, and she's grinning the whole time. And then a sister comes around and says she just, ah, la, 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 and, the, and the one on the swing's going, ah. you know, they're just yelling at each other and the little one won't go. It's an older sister. And she goes, okay. And she points and I thought, she said, I'm going to tell mama. That's what it sounded like. And she did. So here comes mama. And I'm like, oh no. And I said, this one yours? She goes, yes. And so I handed it to her. And I said, pardon? She said, no, oh, you know. So she takes her. But what she did was she took her home, cleaned her up, put clean clothes on her and brought her back and handed her to me. And let me swing her again. And, and I thought, wow, I guess she wasn't presentable or something. Because she smelled good then, you know. But, but the point of that is, even when you're so tired you don't know what to do, God can bring somebody into your life to remind you of what's important. And standing there pushing that little girl, you know, I thought there's, there, there's no greater thing I can do for the kingdom of God at this moment than push this little girl because nobody, nobody was there to push her. And she knew it. She saw white people. And she thought, push, you know, that's the one English word she knew was push. And so I I took her out there and I pushed her. And, and so the the point is, you don't have to be, you don't have to be young. You don't have to be strong. You don't have to, you know, be any of those things. You look at our group and you'll see, you'll see youngsters. Joe Maldonado went at 10 years old. He was fabulous did a great job, and, and we had so much fun with him, um, and, and so we've got all in between. We got Gary, and, and by the way, Miss Eula, I was thinking Gary will volunteer to pull a rickshaw whenever you can't make it up the hill. We'll just, I'm volunteering him. We'll make one. There's tires everywhere. We can make our own, um, but, but the point is you can go, and in fact, the point is you're called to go. Now, I don't know that you're called to go to Haiti, but you're called to go somewhere. The great commission is go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And Jesus said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's not a suggestion. That's a command of God that you're supposed to go. Um, Before we take the Lord's Supper, I'm just going to show you this year's video. Alex went again, and, and he put together this video. It's fabulous. I want you to watch for the children. I want you to watch for the progress of things that were going on. And after we watch this video, then we're going to take the Lord's Supper. Scripture says... In James one twenty seven. Turn right up, thank you. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Pure religion is when we help those who can't help themselves. God's pleased with that. So I want to tell you, good job, new life. Um, I'm, I'm blown away by what God has accomplished through this small group of people in East Texas. We've just scratched the surface of what he wants to do in us and through us. Here in Palestine, within driving distance of this church, but throughout the world. We don't know who we're going to touch when we go to Haiti. And, and I've told them, you know, there may be a time when, when their children need to come here to help my grandchildren or my great-grandchildren. And you just never know what God's going to do. And so here's what I want to challenge you to do today. I want you to pray. Uh, In in a minute, I'll have you fill out your registration cards. We'll do that after the Lord's Supper. But I want you to pray about going. I want you to uh, commit to praying for those who will go. And then I'm going to ask some of you to go ahead, and, and you know you're supposed to go next year. And I'm going to ask you to make a commitment to go. The the thing that I tell people over and over again, the right question to ask is, is God calling me to go? That is it. You don't say, do I have enough money? You don't say, you know, all this other stuff. Is God calling me to go? And then when is he calling me to go? And God will make a way. I'm going to tell you this. All five of my family went this year. And my girls were were doing everything in their power. I mean, they said, we're going to work. And so they did extra work and they put money down and they still didn't have enough money. And I said, I'm going to give you some money. And, and here's the the amazing thing. As they worked and as they were faithful to do what they could donations started coming in for them. So much so that they didn't need any of the money from the, the, the sandwiches that they sold. They sold 137 sandwiches. We gave that money to other people who needed scholarship money. I gave some money from my mowing business to them. My girls didn't need that. And so I gave that money to other people who needed sponsorships to go. And I just was reminded again that God's the one who supplies our need. If God calls you to go, he's going to provide um casey crutcher we just found out last minute that he could go with about a month ahead of time right that you could go and he put it on facebook within 24 hours all the money was raised so don't tell me it's not possible for you to go there are circumstances that may keep you from going first year ricky wanted to go and and he was first year in police academy or you had a baby first year he's in police academy second year he's going to have a baby and then he got to go last year Um, So there's circumstances may keep you from going a certain year But I my goal is that everybody in this church goes at least once It will rock your world. It will change your heart Uh, We're going to finish today with the lord's supper And and if you're a christ follower, you are welcome to take the lord's supper You don't have to be a member of this church Uh, But the lord's supper is only for christians Um, It is a celebration of what jesus christ did on the cross We remember that he died on the cross to pay for our sins we are to confess our sins um, before we come to the table. The Bible says, do not take the Lord's Supper in vain, uh, in an unworthy manner. And that means you rush up here. If, there's bold, if, you're, if you're boldly committing sin and you're, you're proud of that sin, don't come take the Lord's Supper because the Bible says you can pronounce judgment on yourself. If, however, you, you, are, you are working on your relationship with Christ and, and you have confessed and, and you are ready to, to uh, take the Lord's Supper, that's fine. The other thing is we're supposed to look around. So we look back at the cross, um, we look inside our hearts, and we confess known sin, and then we look around. The Bible says if, if you are in conflict with a brother or sister in Christ... You're supposed to make that relationship right before you come to the table. Every time I say that, people come up and they say, well, I've tried. If you've legitimately tried to make the relationship right and someone will not uh, be in relationship with you, that's their problem, not your problem. You feel free to come to the Lord's table. There are three of them. There's one here, there's one here, and there's one back there. As you you come, take the bread, take the cup. You can go ahead and partake of it. Go back to your seats and we'll be dismissed in in just a few moments. So y'all cue that music. And uh, you're welcome to come to the table. You can go ahead and leave the music going what what I like to do when we take the Lord's Supper some folks need to need a little bit of time to pray and uh, so we just like to to leave this time for uh, folks who are in here so we're not going to make our n- normal sound noises when I talk about the, the three baskets that we have um, registration card basket I want you to put on the back I'll pray about going I'll pray for someone who is going or I believe I'm supposed to go those are your three options for next year uh we have a, another basket which is our joy baskets how we take up the offering we got two ways put something in the joy basket or you can go online go to nlccp.com there's a little box over there online giving uh and you can click on that real simple to set up a a uh, an account and then you can you can give there's another basket back there called the bagel basket and anything that goes in there goes to pay off our debt we call that building a great life did a big long series had people give crazy above and beyond the tithe. And uh, so in over a three-year period, we paid off about $260,000 of a, of a $300,000 debt. We just got about 40000 left to go. So what goes in there um, goes towards debt. Now, uh, I'm going to dismiss you, but I'm going to ask you to leave this room Quietly.